one billion years in the future, Earth still exists, though maybe not as we imagine it. Eras upon bygone eras worth of technology have been left behind by eight previous and fallen civilizations. It is now up to the denizens of the Ninth World to piece together what was left behind. Perhaps they're looking to carve out their place in the world, or simply to survive a land riddled with weird and unearthly dangers. Or perhaps still, they just wish to learn and uncover the secrets of the Numenera. Whatever it is this new era of adventurers and heroes is looking to discover, they'll have to dig through the imprinted echoes of the past to find it. Hello, and welcome to Imprinted Echoes, a family-friendly Numenera actual play podcast. I'm Zan, and I'll be your GM. Thank you for joining us today, and as always, we hope you're all staying safe and healthy. And noting that, I do apologize for my vocal quality on this episode's intro and outro, as I am currently just getting over some sickness of my own. As with last episode, we're taking some time to check in with our characters individually. There's a lot to manage, so they've each set out to accomplish a few things on their own before officially deciding on a plan forward. Experiments are conducted, plants are foraged, and code is deciphered. Join us as Smolren seeks to prepare for the next steps. Your group had gathered in the first tree to discuss the information that Nehemiah had found. That the mercenaries, the scavengers you had freed in the forest on your way up to the Ogarek had betrayed you. Had caused the problems down below the city with Voidfriend. And were now in captivity, save Nils. And Nehemiah has now left to go talk to Adriel. They left the building and went on a walk together somewhere to discuss something cryptic that Adriel had said, as is her MO. Mm -hmm. You all had talked about what to do with these prisoners, but I don't know that there was a specific course of action that was 100% decided on just yet. Fahura is there behind the bar taking care of getting people fed and getting them drinks. Molly is still around. Technically, Jory is <laughs> as well, but she seems to be kind of off on her own, lost in thought mm -hmm. at the moment. What does Smallrin do in this moment? I think what we had settled on as like the, the like, 75% most likely choice was the idea of using some combination of poison and Farhura's healing herbs and Jory's dream pills to send them into some sort of dreaming sleep that would at least keep them in a, some form of stasis so that we didn't have to deal with them just yet and didn't have to immediately murder everybody. Which Smallrin was leaning towards. Smallrin was perfectly willing to like lace their water with something that they just wouldn't wake up from. But you know, this is a democracy. There's <laughs> you know other people involved. So I think the first thing that she would want to do is, having gotten those dream pills from Jory, is kind of foregather with Fahura and just basically talk through like you know I know everything about putting people to sleep permanently. What do you know about counteracting or supplementing what I have? 
with what you have to do it in a non-lethal way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have all of your vials of poison reagents lined up on the table and Fahura comes and sits down across from you. If I'm being honest, I don't necessarily know how to counteract what it is you're doing. Most of my healing capabilities come a little more naturally to me than the herbs and poultices that I have. Those I've kind of just picked up along the way. But I think we could probably work something out. A little bit of testing, a little bit of science. I'm no Edos or Rufus, but I know a good drink from a bad one. And I have used some of these before to uh, induce stupor not always with the eye to making anyone particularly comfortable, which might be more where you come in. And these, and she holds up the vial that Jory gave us. Right, the things that will make them not have awful nightmares. I'm going to have you make me an intellect. I'm going to have you make a level five intellect role. I am going to consider you trained in this. I would consider this part of espionage, and especially since making deadly poisons is one of your special abilities, I would consider that a trained situation. Awesome. And then I think I am going to spend the intellect points for a point of effort. Wonderful. So that'll take it down to a three. Alright, let's see what we can do here. Ooh, a failure with a three. Ooh. You start mixing things together, testing out the different amounts that you put in. Normally, you have a very good handle on the ratio for which things you mix together for which effects. But because you're trying to... Not kill people? (laughs) Exactly. This is a little bit less, technically, than what you you are normally uh, trying to achieve. As you mix two of these together it's just a hair off and a puff a little puff of like gray smoke comes out of one of these vials and just this acrid smell comes through your nose and you're going to take two points of non-reducible might damage that's fair (laughs) don't breathe that cloud (coughs) noted Maybe not that mixture, particularly. No, not that. And uh, perhaps I should do this outside, away from the others. Also not a bad idea. It also seems that some of my supplies are getting a little low. I may have to go look for others before we can continue experimenting with this. By all means, uh... Don't go alone, though. I have to stay here to to tend the bar, but grab someone with you as you're going out. We're being a little extra cautious here right now. Noted. Would you like to go foraging? Yes, I would love to go foraging. I would like to... 
remind me the um the group that oh what was her name iona iona is that group mm-hmm. still here did oh, they yeah. stay or did they move on nope they're still here okay yeah that group kind of became a just kind of like a, a, a staple citizenship okay. group here cool Citizen. There's no citizenship here. It's just like I mean, they, they live here. They now. They live here now. They're one of yeah, us. Yeah, because because Dio was a part of that group too. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. For for whatever reason, I feel like Iona would actually be very useful in this situation. Sure. I'd like to go and find her and have her accompany me on this foraging mission. Absolutely. You go and find her. She is kind of overseeing a small area where they are like looks like they're like planting some seeds uh and things of that nature not actually doing the work but as you've known her she's much more of a an organizer and and a project manager but she is kind of overseeing that and turns to you when you uh, walk up smallren you're back it's good to see you you as well what can i help you with We are trying to find some way to deal with our unwelcome guests. And the thought was we might be able to send them into some sort of sleeping state in order to put off a more permanent decision. But uh, my stores of ingredients for such work is getting a little low, as are Fuhura's wondered if you could help me forage for more. Definitely not something that we keep around here inside the walls, but that's a knowledge I have a little bit of. Absolutely. She kind of looks over her shoulder, gives a couple more instructions to the people there, and lets them know that she'll be back later. We're gonna have to go a little farther out than the protective area of that sound barrier, so be prepared that there might be some creatures to deal with eventually, but as long as you're okay with that. I think I'll be fine. You both gather a couple of things like bags and satchels, things to put materials in and start heading out of the village. And as you do, you get just outside that hundred foot barrier off to one side you hear the sound of running feet animal or human humanoid humanoid bipedal okay and you turn and you see one of the orgolian soldiers the automatons okay soldier what's going on perimeter check i see proceed and it runs past you. Yep. I'm still technically in charge of them, right? <laughs> yes, you are. Because <laughs> it hasn't been that long. No, it has not. Couple of hours, maybe. Uh, I'd almost forgotten about that. I'm in, I'm in charge of the automatons in the absence of their commanding officer. Right now. Yep. What is it that you are looking for not necessarily the name of, of a plant or anything but what kind of effect are you looking for are you looking for something that will just do what you're trying to achieve outright or are you looking for more something that you can 
mix with what you and Fahura already have to create a desired effect? I think it's a mixture because basically like Smallrin knows what each of the things that she has in her pack does. Like some of them are intended to slow the heart rate or to reduce like kind of suppress breathing, relax muscles, things like that, which can be used as long as they're not excessive in trying to put someone to sleep. And then Farhura has given her a list of herbs and like plants, different things that would have a calming effect or that would help induce slumber. And so Smallrin, since they're looking to induce a much more sustained sleep, is hoping to kind of combine those different effects into something that could be maintained for a longer period. Okay. Perfect. Things that are on your list from Fahura. A uh, kind of broad, leafy plant called Thrade. Okay. A, a viney, like low brush cover plant that's called Skulljoy. It is known for its uh, hallucinogenic properties. Excellent. And something called Pram Root. I can come up with a list of things that you would know of if you'd like, or feel free to uh, make up your own. Hmm. Interesting. Alright. I feel like Pram Root is something that Smallrin actually also makes use of, probably Perfect. with far different applications. Um, Most likely. Sometimes you just want people to see things. I think there would also be, like I said, there are various things that uh, can be used to kind of relax, like muscle relaxants are something she makes a great deal of use of because even if the poison doesn't fully take, it slows people down. So one of those would be, there's a, uh, there's a shrub. Sap is kind of an unusual, like, sickly green color, and that can be used as a muscle relaxant uh, in high enough doses. It can uh, act almost as a paralytic. Hmm, nice. Let's call that Emperor's Nettle. There we go. I like that. I think there would also be a... Uh, a plant, a flowering plant that has actually very pretty flowers and the vast majority of the plant is harmless but the root is incredibly toxic and a number of different compounds can be extracted from that depending on how you break it down. One of which is the um, the heartbeat suppressor that Smallrin keeps in her okay. kit. Let's call that one Zorwain. Nice. I like it. Go ahead and make me an investigation check. Okay. With Iona's help, she knows some of these. Uh, the other ones that she doesn't know, she can easily look for with your direction and description of them. Mm -hmm. So with her help, we're going to consider this a level three. Okay. I would assume... This wouldn't necessarily... Espionage wouldn't apply to this. Ooh, perception tasks. Can I use my Ogryn orb? Yes, I would give you that. Absolutely. Cool. So I am trained. Success with a seven. You're able to find 
the first couple of things on your list as well as most of what's on Fahura's list. It takes you a while. This is not a fast process. The plains are incredibly vast and not everything is going to grow all in the same spot. Most of these plants require different sunlight needs, require different um, soil needs, so you do have to kind of range about quite a bit over the course of the next couple of hours. The last thing you need on the list is, say, Emperor's Nettle. You're having a hard time finding some of it. It's a finicky plant that kind of just like wilts at the, the first possible signs of not enough water or too much sunlight or whatever it might be. You know it grows in this area, but you're having a tougher time pinpointing where it might be around here. And it has to be large enough that you can extract sap from it. Like the, the seedlings are too small. They don't have enough in them. It has to be a plant, like a fully grown shrub. Right. Eventually you do find one. You see it off in the distance. And with that successful perception roll, I will also give you that as you you start going towards it, you see something kind of underneath it. Something that has taken up nest, if you will, underneath this shrub. And it's a rather large one, too. Not obviously not like tree size or anything, but large enough that a an animal could have a, a den of some sort underneath of it, especially considering that there's not a ton of shade in this particular area that you're in. I would like to kind of speak through my, my link with my Ogren orb and just say, I have a game. And it immediately perks up and is like, you can just feel that excited energy ready to go. I would like you to give me as many details as possible of that thing right there. Let's see if you can get 15. I'm going to have you roll. Let's see. Let's see, let's see. Roll persuasion. It's going to be a level one because it's mm-hmm. super rare and to go, but um, I want to see what its reaction is going to be in this moment. All right, cool. Success with a 16. Beautiful. The the orb just hones in and your your vision just, you can feel the aperture on what is essentially your eye just dial in right underneath that shrub and almost like a like a heads up display like an HUD um, just kind of like things bipping back for little like beams of light kind of like popping off the sides but you can't like read information about it but you see that it's like noting things very very quickly and you learn the following things about what's underneath this shrub it is a sexy creature that resembles a large dog a four-footed creature that has hard, overlapping scales with intricate patterns of greens and red and reds and browns and whites. It's canine in its stature, but reptilian in every other way. Interesting. It stands about knee-high, so a medium-sized dog. Large teeth, pointed tail. 
a predator, a scavenger. Things you also know. Motive, hunger, and loyalty. Okay. They are hunters. They are particularly devoted to anything that they would consider home. Mm, that could be difficult. They will fight to the death to defend a place or person they deem as theirs. its diet, what might it be tempted by? Small game, so any small animals, meat, technically might be interested in plant matter, but given its build, you definitely get the carnivore feel. Since it does have a collar, do I see any indication of any sort of settlement nearby or inhabiting, like anyone inhabiting anything in the area? And this is the only emperor's nettle that I can see nearby, or the only very large one. Right, the only one large enough. You might have found some smaller ones, but nothing large enough to actually be able to harvest what you need. likes to make friends. Whether or not it's with animals seems unimportant. This is also true. Do I know, this is going back to things that I know about this creature. Yeah. Since it, it is, like you said, canine in stature but otherwise reptilian, does it rely on its sense of smell the way a dog does or is it more a visual hunter? It seems to work mostly on smell. Visual, yes, but more... It does have, like, the snout mm -hmm. of a dog. Oh, darn. Okay. Well. We could just get rid of it. This is true. Jory's rubbing off on me, though. I feel badly just destroying an animal for having a home. I'm going soft, aren't I? By your standards, yes. Well, then. I suppose there's nothing for it. We could try to lure it out or gain its trust as well. I, that just didn't seem your method of choice. It's really up to you. You're the one foraging here. I'm just a helper. So... Does this thing appear to be asleep or just resting beneath the shrub? Or can I not tell from where we're at? Can't quite tell from where you're at. It is laying down. Its eyes are closed. Whether it's just kind of like chilling out or actually asleep, hard to tell. You could make a roll for it if you wanted to. If you wanted to get a little bit 
more in depth about what it's doing currently. Yeah, I would like to. I I kind of link up with the Ogren Orb again. But yeah, I kind of I link up with the Ogren Orb again and I say, I know that you didn't quite get what I asked for last time, but I believe you can. I'm going to move just a little bit closer. Tell me what you see. Okay. I'm going to have you roll um, perception. Okay. I will give you... Okay, so you are trained in it. Uh-huh. And I'll give you an asset for having talked so nicely uh-huh. to to your eyeball friend. It's it's oddly endearing, this, yes. this weird little parasitic creature. <laughs> so uh, that will be a level three with... With training and with an asset. Okay, cool. Success. Ooh, 20. Major effect. Perfect. Or plus four damage. <laughs> I love that you keep rolling the 20s on social and perceptive interactions rather than actually doing any sort of damage in a combat. But I am always going to remind you that I could just deal <laughs> extra damage in these social situations. Extra social damage. Intellect damage. <laughs> well, intellect damage is a thing. It is. This is the ninth world version of vicious mockery. Yes, you've been perceived so hard <laughs> it hurts. You can tell that this creature right now is fast asleep. And on top of that, in looking a little bit closer, it seems as though there is room for two underneath. Huh. Okay, so there might be another returning. Well, if it's asleep, because if there's two and the other one comes back while we're killing its mate, then we could be in real trouble. Smallrin is going to pull some kind of meat, trail meat, jerky, whatever, out of her pack. And then she is going to vanish. I can spend two intellect to become invisible for a short amount of time. Okay. While invisible, I have an asset on stealth and speed defense tasks. Okay. So I assume you're trying to sneak up on it? Basically, I'm trying to like sneak around to the other side of the shrub and okay. attempt to take some of the sap without waking it up. And I'm going to leave the jerky near it as a distraction if it does start to wake up. Hopefully it will smell that first. Awesome. Are you trained in stealth? I've specialized in espionage, yes. <laughs> okay. And that gives you, the vanishing gives you an asset? Is that what it was? Yeah, I have an asset, asset on stealth and on speed defense tasks. So wonderful. if it were coming after me, I could try to get away. Sure. With those two things, this is an auto pass. This is a level two creature. Nice. So you are able to get up and do this without waking it one bit without having to make a roll in this scenario. <laughs> Oh, this is so cool. I'm going to let me let me just kind of bask in this for a minute. I love I love this feeling. <laughs> Smallrin is so sneaky that she can just sneak up on things without having it's to like, do anything special. She could just do it. It's, it's the best. It's like the Elder Scrolls thing where you can, you know, sneak so much that you can just like walk behind someone and then never notice you. Exactly. It's also really nice to have this kind of confirmation of what I've been kind of RPing, which is that Smallrin just like sneaks up on people and they never know she's there until she says something. Yep. Yep. You sneak up to the far side of this shrub. 
very carefully leave a small amount of jerky near the base of it to keep the creature distracted should it wake up. But it kind of like snuffles and snores a little bit. And you pause, hoping that it doesn't wake up. But it's just like dreaming, essentially. What is the process of harvesting the sap from Emperor's Nettle? So luckily it is like a fairly free-flowing sap. It's fairly liquid. It's not like pine sap where it's like sticky or thick. So it really just involves cutting a fairly wide gash through the bark kind of on a downward diagonal and then basically keeping a vial against the trunk at the bottom of that gash and it'll all kind of trickle down in there and just swapping out the vials as they fill and i'm looking to do maybe like four or five pretty pretty small vials because it's it's fairly potent stuff yeah you can easily get five in the amount of time and the fact that you are sitting here silently and invisible (laughs) You have a pretty good handle on about how long invisibility lasts for you. It's something you've timed running jobs before, so you get that kind of inner inkling that it's about to wear off soon, so you cap the fifth and last vial, put it into your pouch, and make your way back to where Iona's standing some distance off. We should probably go before its mate returns. I'm kind of imagining smaller and kind of like appearing about halfway between. Yes, hundred percent. There's no sign of her coming except for some very slight like parting of the grass where her feet have to fall, but there's no sound. She just suddenly kind of seems to walk out of thin air about halfway between Iona and the shrub. Beautiful. I know people often say that you're a little creepy, but that was pretty graceful. If I do say so myself. Thank you. I think we have everything on the list. Should be all all set to go. All right. Well, anything else you can think of before we head back? What is your thought on the current situation? I personally don't like the idea taking the life of a prisoner. I know that they're combative. But they haven't attacked us. And that seems... seems wrong to me to... straight up harm someone that's sitting quietly in a room. So you would rather wait until whoever they serve comes back to potentially kill us all and fight them. Maybe it's not an easy situation. I'm not sure I really have an answer. That's just where my gut is. My thought on it is, if this were an army camp or a band of mercenaries, there might be more of an argument for not killing a unarmed prisoner. But this is... A scientific community? A haven? Most of the people here are not fighters. I do not think that we would be able to withstand the kind of hell that might come. I think that to protect those that are here, we have to play to what strength we do have, which is this man they serve does not know that we have anything of value yet. 
And I do suppose a threat wouldn't really do the same kind of thing. Not to people like this. That's what Nehemiah said. It's a tough decision. In the end, they could be as passive about it as you like. They could send them off into a sleep, seal them in a chamber somewhere underground, far away, and simply leave them there. There is always the chance they get out, but after so long in a slumber without food or water, they're less likely to survive in the wilderness. But even to me, that seems crueler than a swift death. I would have to agree with that. That sounds heinous. Also, I love that Smallwin just suggested just cask of amontilladoing yeah. the uh-huh. entire group. Yep. Yeah, no. She's like, if you don't want to get your hands dirty, we can do this. It's still awful, but she also has made it very clear that she's happy to be the one that kills them. Like, if it makes yeah. people feel morally icky, she's yep. happy to be the one that does it. Yep. I know this is a kind of a strange thing to think, but I keep trying to think about like what Edos would do in this situation. And I'm not sure they would do much of anything. They were, like you said, a pacifist. A scientist. Not scared to do what needs to be done, but... Unwilling to cause unneeded harm. Of course, the question then becomes, what constitutes needed harm? You know, when I came out uh, to forge here with you, I wasn't really expecting a lesson in morality. Maybe I should have. I'm not trying to teach anyone anything, but decisions need to be made eventually. And sometimes putting off responsibility only causes more harm in the end. Sure enough. No, it's far from my decision. It will be all of our decisions. That is the way Edos has always wanted it here, to my understanding. Still, not a decision we need to make today. Not with these. And she holds up the the bag of foraged herbs and sleepy time things. No, not with those. Hopefully you and Vara can put those to good use. I'm sure you will. And thank you for your help. Of course. I'm gonna get back to, uh... The less deadly agriculture, I think. Absolutely. I will head back on my own. Let me know if you need anything else. I'm happy to help. Thank you. And she wanders off to the same place that you found her, working with crops and seeds and planting and such. As you are going back to Fahora to drop off the various goods, you see Brex wandering about just kind of walking as they always do to be fair they're always on some sort of patrol but it seems more intentional now it's not just wandering around looking to see if anything's wrong it's walking around knowing something is wrong Mm -hmm. 
We've got some sort of a watch set on the, the building where we're holding them, correct? Correct. Is Brex a part of that at all? Brex is just generally doing their thing because when that watch was set up, they were a force field. Yep. Yes. So Brex isn't in any of those rotations at the moment. Has anyone actually explained what's going on to Brex? Does Brex know that this is a current conversation we're having or that these others are being held? You guys haven't, the three of you haven't, but it's possible that someone has. Honestly, that seems like it might be more of kind of a Nehemiah thing <laughs> than a Smallrin thing. Smallrin doesn't quite have the same relationship with Brex, so she's gonna let him go about his business. You get back to Fahura. Jory has left at this point, as has Molly. Um, and it's just Fahura there, taking care of some things behind the bar. Oh, you're back! Did you find everything on the list? I believe so. We had a little bit of trouble finding one of my ingredients, but we were able to in the end. Good to hear it. You want to try again at mixing this up, then? I think I I pulled a full few books. I think I have a better handle on exactly which things to mix at which points to make things not blow up in our faces this time. And I have been thinking about how things went the last time. And I believe I've pinpointed a couple places I can change my approach. Let's take a stab at it then. Not literally. Understood. I'm not going to make you roll again. <laughs> the two of you at this point have well enough knowledge going into it and after the failed roll previously failure is what allows us to succeed in the future. So you are able to get the right ratios, get the right mixtures, to get what you believe is going to be a very powerful and long-lasting sleep aid. Sleep inducer. Got our sleep aid. I suppose we should wait until we can speak to the others before administering this. That seems like a good idea, yeah. Think, I'm trying to think now what else, what other irons we had in the fire that I should go check on. Well, I guess I'll, I would like to go, since that's all set, I'll leave this with Fahura for safekeeping. And I'm going to go check on Rufus and see how they're getting on with the automaton. Sure. You make your way to Rufus's workshop. Normally you hear, like, clanking and whirring and tools and things like that and it's pretty quiet mm. you peek into the small room that they have kind of adjacent to the open air workshop area and they are fast asleep Aww. on their bed Rufus we work Rufus pretty hard <laughs> Yes. You notice there are some notes on the workbench nearby, and there are kind of two sets of, of notes here. There is one set that is starting to outline how to repair the soldiers, and then there is another set that is much less but an outline of how to possibly alter them. Okay. Like, deep, 
like deprogram them? Correct. Oh, that could be useful. That could be a very good idea. It's far, far less long than the other ones. The, the fixing it is a little more straightforward. Putting pieces back together, finding the right components, making sure that everything is connected and moving. Pretty easy, at least for Rufus. But trying to deprogram slash reprogram them to give them a different purpose seems a little more complicated. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to help Rufus along in this process with the, the research of this, you are welcome to do so while they are sleeping. I would love to do that. Going off of the notes that they have made, I would now like to consult my mentor's note, since this will give me more of a direction and more of an idea of what I would be looking for. Absolutely. Go ahead, and this will be a level four intellect. Okay. Your book is an asset, usually, right? Or we've used or it as an we've asset We've used before. it as an asset in the past, yeah. Yes. And I think I am going to spend for a point of effort as well. Okay. Down, down to two. I would love to have this be a thing that we get done. Success with an eight. Wonderful. Now with Rufus's outline. And what you've found between your experience with them in the Ogarek, in the travel back, in their strange interaction with the sound. These soldiers, these automatons, might be able to be reprogrammed by sound alone. Interesting. You'd have to find the right series of tones and notes, almost like a string of code. Mm -hmm. But you might be able to change their directive with sound. Ooh, interesting. Which suggests that we might actually want to go back down into whatever the facility is below us and see if there's anything. Because they seem to be working almost exclusively with sound as like an energy source. and a, So they might have something about using sound in that way. Okay, interesting. In Rufus's notes, you also find there are some other components that you might need. It doesn't say what they are. In fact, it says see list. <laughs> and there doesn't seem to be any list around. Hmm. Out of character, Nehemiah took the list. Ah, excellent. I was gonna... I, I would like to say that Smallrin does check the room very, like, competently, but carefully not to wake Rufus up. In And in checking the room also does sift very delicately through Rufus's pockets that she can reach. You do not find any any list. Mm. So you get the idea that it's either with someone else, very, very carefully hidden away, or it doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Any of those things could be possible with Rufus. Exactly. I don't wish to wake them because they clearly need their rest, and so... I will, I will leave them be, but also with an eye to maybe in an hour or so, I will come check back. And if they aren't awake, they will probably need to be woken to continue working on what is, you know, important. <laughs> it's a little, a little bit on the uh, time clocky side. Yes, indeed. Where would you like to head in the meantime? Would you like to 
see if there's anything you can further investigate with the sounds? I think that's where Smallrin would want to go next. Now that we've kind of stabilized the situation down below, she would be able to go down and poke around a little bit, maybe kind of cross-check her mentor's notes and Rufus's notes to see if there's any equipment that seems to deal with sound as code or language. Sure. You head down below, down the elevator, and the large domed room, the one that has those microphones and the control panel bank, there have been some more permanent glow globes placed there now. It's pretty well illuminated. But this actually seems like one of the more likely places that some of that information might be. This seemed to be some sort of command central mm. type area for whatever work was being done here. And if there's information to be had, it would either be here or maybe in one of the lower labs, but those seem to be more for experimentation, not necessarily information. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess this kind of control panel, that would be useful to have Jory here. But we, we, <laughs> we press on. Smallrin's constant lament, which she didn't realize she would ever say, is, man, I wish Jory was here. <laughs> but no, basically going off of the interactions that we have all had with, you know, this writing system, language system, symbol system in some cases. Is there anything that looks like it might be like the uh, the information or kind of tutorial button that might be like, because <laughs> I'm assuming this isn't like a desk setup. There's not like drawers or anything. No, no. Yeah, there's something that, that is akin enough to like the, you know, like the little eye yeah. <laughs> in a circle, the help help button the help menu is it, is it a little There's paper clip with that. eyes uh no it is absolutely not clippy, <laughs> clippy always creep me out oh i like clippy you find something like that and there's a menu that kind of pops up almost holographically it's not as bright as it could be the power source you all had brought down here so that you could record the voice back onto the hard drive to satisfy void friend is still connected here, but it is running low. Mm. So you are able to interact with this control panel, but the lights on it are dim. Okay. And it, you're pretty sure it's not going to last all that much longer yeah. before it will need to be recharged. Okay. Is this all in script? Like, is it, or are there symbols associated with it that might be something I could kind of interpret? You've seen enough of this language at this point. Go ahead and make me a, I'm going to say, a level five intellect check. Okay. And I'll say with with an asset, again, from seeing so much of this. Okay. I'll spend for a point of effort. Whoo! Success with a 20. Major effect or plus four damage. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, plus four damage to the writing. I am going to say that at this point, unless you have an, another idea for the major effect, my thought is that you can have a basic reading comprehension of this language now. The idea of what, like what a Spanish one student would be able to read Spanish. You might not get all of the words, 
You might not get some of the technical jargon. And it would be very hard to listen to a native speaker of this language and get all of the information. But the basics, especially something in like a help menu, you can read mm. at this point. You can you can have an understanding of I it. I really like that. What you see on here is a menu of, of different options for recording files, for accessing where things are being transmitted to, for communications logs, and then like a setup screen, essentially. Is that a communications menu? Yeah. I'll head there first. Cool. There's a couple things here. One of them is like a like a log of all the different like transmissions and recordings that have been sent and received and stored. There is also a there's a protocol listed. Okay. Essentially. Yeah. Like a language protocol for kind of like like the ten code for like police radio. Okay. Different codes and sayings or sounds that mean different things. So rather than hearing over a you know lar- long distance communication here you know like 104 there might be like a click and a whistle mm-hmm. okay interesting okay so this could be helpful this could or does it seem to have like different kind of pitches or like different yes okay different or pitches frequencies i guess like frequency frequencies. of sound waves Frequency, duration, not so much volume, yeah. but frequency and duration of the sound. Okay. I am going to copy down all of this chart, including parts that I can't read. I will just copy down as best I can in the back of my book. I will take those to Jory and have her translate just to make sure that I got everything. Have I found pretty much what information I need or should I continue looking through this menu for other things that could be helpful? For this particular task, you have found what would be useful within this menu. There are other things in here, like I said, a a log of all the things that have been sent and received. There is a like a setup and like startup menu. There's different um, controls for like recording different locations for transmitting things. Ooh, I think I, I would like to list, I would like to take down the list of uh, other locations to transmit to. Um, how many are there? So the main thing that's on there is sending thing to the transmission ray. It doesn't say where it is. And then after that, it does have a whole list of places that you have ever heard of. Mm-hmm. It looks like you can recognize the letters, but they don't mean anything to you. It'd be like me reading the name of a French city that I've never heard of. Yeah, that's a a word and a place, but I don't know what that refers to. I don't know where it is or what it means necessarily. Not to mention some of these places probably don't exist anymore. Right, right. Um, Smallrin is going to copy them down pretty pretty hastily at this point. She also doesn't want to run down the battery anymore or the power source anymore than she needs to. Um, you do notice that there is a kind of like a subfolder that says dimensions. Ooh. There's like cities, you know, countries, etc. Dimensions. It's an empty folder, though. Alright. 
there's nothing. There's no dimension listed in it, but it is but there. But it is there. So there was something. There were other dimensions listed, and at some point they were removed. Possibly. Given everything that you have already figured out as a group, I will give you that. It's more likely that they were expecting, that they never got the chance to add yeah, it. They were expecting connection to a different dimension and never got to. Or well, they, they got there, but they didn't did. get to. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. That was definitely the goal. This wasn't accidental. They were trying to reach other dimensions, Correct. which we did kind of know. Um, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think at this point, Smallrin doesn't want to run down the, the battery anymore mm -hmm. without having, like, this would this would be much faster and more expedient with Jory here to actually translate this as we're going. So she's going to leave it for the moment, but probably planning to probably go find Jory fairly shortly and have her look over the the list of uh, the protocol list that she copied down. Absolutely. You head back up, make sure everything's shut down. And Jory's nowhere to be found at the moment, but you all kind of did agree that, that a decision about these prisoners needed to be made kind of by the end of the day so that you could deal with them. So you assume that you're all going to be meeting up again shortly. Did you want to wake Rufus or did you want to let them sleep a while longer? Smallrin is getting soft. <laughs> She's going to let them sleep a while longer, maybe until we all convene to make the decision that needs to be made, just because she knows that they've been working really hard and we have asked a lot of them. And at the end of the day, they are going to do much better work if they are actually rested, which they do not always rest well of their own accord. Very true. You head towards the workshop and think better of it. And you have that moment of, I am going soft, aren't I? Yep. And as you turn to head back, Adriel kind of catches your eye walking between buildings. And she just kind of walks up to you. Doesn't seem to want a full conversation, but just says, I've told Nehemiah the information about who I'm connected with. Should you want someone to talk about it to? Very well. Thank you. And she just saunters <laughs> off. Oh, Adriel. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to do? If not, I think this would be a good place to Yeah, no, up. I think that, I think at this point, Smarin is going to kind of make, make her normal rounds, check in with all of her hides and her little places to keep watch from, and just kind of pass time until everyone reconvenes. There is a much higher activity rate of guards and watches around, so an already quiet village is even quieter when it comes to things going awry at the moment with that many eyes on the activity. You find a place to kind of just wait out the time until you know it's about right to head back to First Tree and hope that everyone's going to be able to make a decision soon. 
that's where I'll call the session. All right. Thank you so much for listening to episode 47 of Imprinted Echoes. As always, if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Imprinted Echoes and our website at imprintedechoes.com. On that website, you can find links to the Ghostlight Media merch store and our Patreon if you can help us out monetarily. And in that vein, I'd love to thank Atan, Jeremy, and Carlin for their continued support. If you'd like to help out in other ways, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, and tell a friend about the show. Of course, you can find our hosts on Twitter as well, myself at Covered and Sawdust, Chase at TQ Loudly, Rin at Rin underscore Moran, and Bridget at Really Bridget, and our network, Ghostlight Media at GLM Pods. Thank you once again for listening, and I hope you'll come back in two weeks to hear another episode of Imprinted Echoes. And until then, may your ciphers never malfunction. Imprinted Echoes is produced by Zan Campbell-Johannes and Chase Greenley, and is edited by Pat Mahood. Original show theme music is by Justin Longacre. This is a Ghostlight Media production.